All right. So let's review uh, where we have been, um, and then uh, then uh, transition into to our study for this time. First class, we saw that God is sovereign overall. We looked at Ecclesiastes that God um, accomplishes all of His purposes, and so when we live in a world where we don't see that as the case, then life is meaningless. Meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. Uh, it's just vanity. It's like chasing after the wind. It's not going to do us any good if we live our lives apart from understanding that God is sovereign over all things. But when we come to understand that truth, and praise God, He's allowed us to do that by virtue of the Holy Spirit through His Word, then it makes life meaningful. Meaningful, meaningful, all is meaningful. And, um, and life now makes sense when it didn't before. And um, in the second class, we saw that God is loving in His care for us and that, it, that His love and care for us extend to areas, areas where we often don't think. That is all the way down to the minutest details of our lives. It's not just that God is concerned with the big cosmic events that are going on. It's not just that God is concerned with um, the the end times events or even just spiritual events. God is concerned about every event and He has His hands in all of those events of, of our lives, including down to the, the smallest of details. And the question that we want to know is, how does God lead us? I mean, if God's going to lead me ultimately to an eternal destiny, He's trying to transform me into the image of His Son, then how does He do that? How do we get there? How do these choices affect... Um, where, how, how I'm in, in God's will. How, how do my choices affect what God is doing? And so we've established that God has a plan for our lives and that He's a, determined to lead us uh, towards that plan, <clears throat> towards that specific destination. And the primary way that God is leading us is to sanctification, or the primary destination that we have is to sanctification, really final sanctification, glorification, uh, which is the final transformation where we are like Jesus Christ, where we are able to live in His presence forever. So if we understand where God is taking us and we understand how God leads us, He leads us primarily through His Word, then we can ask the next question, which is, how does He lead us? I mean, how can we as moral, rational creatures, people who have the ability to choose between one thing and another, how does God instruct us in the way that we should go? And we started last time by looking at Romans 8 and saw that, that God leads us by His Holy Spirit through His Word, um, that all who are the sons of God are being led by the Spirit of God. So we have um, spiritual impulses in us to do what is right. We want to do what is right because the Holy Spirit lives within us and He testifies with our spirit that we are the children of of God. And so what we can be sure of is that, that God's Spirit is going to lead us into holiness. That, that as we work to go down this pathway of life, that the Holy Spirit is, is directing our steps and our circumstances so that we move to a place of holiness. In other words, if there were a more loving path, if there were a more beneficial path for God to put us on, we would be there. The, the pathway 
of our lives. We look back at you know how crooked things were in the back, you know in the past, and some of the things that happened to us, and the, some of the things that happened that we caused ourselves. And we might look at those things and think, think you know, I, there's probably a better way. But as a Christian, there is no better way. God put us on the best path that would lead us towards the greatest holiness. That's what He's working on us to do. And uh, so in Him, we, we have all these blessings um, of sonship and inheritance and, and um, sanctification, good works, glorification. And, and the only way that these things are possible is through the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we saw last week that God leads us by speaking to us. And we started uh, by looking at the incorrect views. We're, we're trying to ask the questions of uh, what, what I call non-moral issues. You know, should I wear the blue socks or the, the red socks? Um, when it comes to non-moral issues, how do I make a choice that would be pleasing to God? How do I make a choice that's within the context of God's will? That's what we're trying to get down to. Um, but part of the problem is, and maybe let's think about things that are more, um, that have more impact than just the choice of our socks, right? Uh, what job should I take? You know, what career should I take? Um, which person should I marry? Uh, wh- which place should I live? Which house should I buy? Which car should I drive? All those kinds of things. Not, those are not, as I mentioned, wrong questions. But, um, but I think what happens is that we often ask those questions as if those are the end-all, be-all questions, as if my choice in this matter is the most important thing in all of my life. When it's not. Okay, those things, while they will have significant impact on my future, um, those things are not as important as my choice between doing good versus doing evil. That is, in matters of, of morality, in matters of sin, uh, righteousness versus sin, those are much more important than these other choices that we like to put on the, on the front burner. As if, and we'll get to this here in just a second, as if there's only one plan A for our lives. Right, and, and we have to make this right choice at the beginning of the plan A, you know, of which job I should take because otherwise it's going to affect all my life and now I'm going to end up at, at plan B. And I can't get back to plan A. In other words, plan A is God's best for me. And now I kind of got God's second best. And if I mess up with another choice, I'm over here to God's third best and God's fourth. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm actually being judged by God, which is not how God works. So let's talk about some incorrect views and just remind ourselves about these. And then, after I finish reviewing, see if you have any questions. Uh, first is this impressions or inner peace, still small voice idea, which I think um, was derived from a wrong view of Scripture. First uh, Kings 19 talks about God speaking to Elijah with the sound, the sound of a gentle blowing, and um, you know we, we want God to speak to us this way. We want to to think that, that there are inner, inner impressions that we have. And in a sense, we have, to, we have to admit that there are some kind of inner impressions that God gives us because the Holy Spirit lives within, within us. right? But, but the question is, does He give us inner impressions when it comes between a choice of choosing what is right or choosing what is amoral, okay, non-moral issue, and another non-moral issue? Does the Holy Spirit give us direction in those things and 
and um, obviously that we could take a lot of time to argue that, but, but I would suggest that if we're going to argue for that, that, that the Holy Spirit does lead us to choose one job over the other, He does lead us to choose one spouse over the other, uh, then, then we need to have some biblical basis for that. So where in the Scriptures do we see that that, that is the case? And obviously we have in the Old Testament that God is working through people and talking to people and leading them to, to make um, non-moral choices. That is, they, they don't have a bearing. They're, they're neither good nor evil. Um, and, and so we have that in the Old Testament. But we also have people, if they're led by this inner peace idea, actually turning away from God. Right, I used the example of the prophet who found the best thing for him was to to head away from the city and to get on a boat and and apparently he was at peace because he was sleeping in the boat and that person was Jonah. And so we can't unless we can be sure that it's God, we better be careful that we, we say when we say, God led me to do this or God gave me inner peace to do this. Okay, lest we can be sure because there is a danger of speaking on behalf of God where God hasn't spoken. And um, and so we do have examples in the Old Testament, um, certainly, but, but how about in the New Testament? I mean, do we have any examples uh, once the, the church was established when, I mean, it seems like Paul has desires, he has impulses, I want to go to Spain, but how does he know if he can go to Spain? I mean, really, he doesn't know until he finally gets there and... It, he probably does get there uh, after his fourth missionary journey, um, but but we we don't really know. Just you, we're, we're going to talk about how God works through desires, and when it comes to some of these choices, uh, we simply have to just make a choice. We simply make a choice based on morality first, and then wisdom second, and then whatever we desire. I mean, that's the next thing. Yes. Yeah, but how did he prevent him? That would be the question I would ask. I would say that we don't have any indication that it was through a still small voice or inner peace. I think he prevented him by specific circumstances, like you know, a person who signs up for a missions trip and says, you know, puts his deposit down, gets ready to go, and then last second, it's like, oh, I got a, I got a death in the family, I can't go, or you know, I, I um, ended up in the hospital, I can't go. So he physically prevented him from going, or some other problem arose in another church, maybe, and he had to go deal with that before he could get to Spain. So. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. And right now we're trying to build a foundation. And what I'm going to argue is that all those steps have been made before you get to that point where it's like, should I take this job or this job? So what I'm suggesting is we have a, a strong biblical foundation of God leading us, how we know he leads us, which is through moral choices. Okay, we, we look to his word for wisdom. Where can we see in his word where we're going to, how we're going to make these decisions? So kind of revealing a little bit of the how we do this before we get there. But, but then finally, when we come to the choice, we've already done these two steps, so we haven't neglected the Holy Spirit. When we make this choice, should I take the job at Kroger or Meyer? You know, just make a choice which one makes most sense based on my circumstances. Obviously, there's lots of factors that go into that. And at the end, we could say, you know, potentially the Holy Spirit was in that. The Holy Spirit led me to that job. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll touch on that some more because um, I think God does work through desires. You know, delight yourself also in the sight of the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Well, in, the, in that sense, God, I mean, we are motivated by all sorts of different desires. We have all sorts of things that, that are competing against one another. And, um, and ultimately, I think it comes down to to those kinds of desires. But but those desires are first fueled by and founded upon this solid foundation of what is true in the Scripture and what we know God's will is. What we're trying to figure out is these things that are not clear in the Scripture. You know, the Scriptures don't use the words Kroger and Meyer, so we have to make a choice at some point. And is God going to prompt us through some kind of inner peace and or, or, or through some desire? And that's the question we're trying to answer. Secondly, Circumstances and situations. So again, we could. This is a, a kind of a precursor to the the fleece idea or the sign. Um, we kind of look for um, how our circumstances. I use the example of of getting a bunch of uh, red lights on the way to work. You know, maybe God's leading me to a different job because uh, I've gotten so many red lights today. Um, I don't think God works in that way. I think God has control over all the lights, but I think there's a thousand other things going on when those lights happen to turn red for you on that day. Um, I use the example of trying to determine an occupation by watching TV and end up you know, becoming a, a doctor or whatever because uh, you saw some doctors help some people on there. Um, and, and we may, um, you, you know, we may find that humorous, but, but if we're honest with ourselves, we often do use circumstances to determine what is the best choice. And... Um, I think our circumstances ought to play into our decision-making, but it should not be the primary way. And this is what happens in the Scriptures uh, when people use circumstances to, to, to make their choice. Um, we, have to, we have to guard ourselves against that. We, we need to, I guess, what, if, we, if we look at it like a spectrum, let's focus more on what is clear in the Scripture, right? The moral choices versus right versus wrong. The, the choices of wisdom. What do the Proverbs have to say about this? How did, how did the apostles and the disciples work through these various circumstances that are like ours? So these are clearer. Over here, Kroger or Meyer, not clear at all. So, so let's focus on this side, I guess is my point, um, and do it all bathed in prayer, absolutely. 
but but when we start getting over here to this is where we're this is kind of where we start you know we want the decision we want to make the right decision and so we start right here instead of starting way over there we start here and start going okay what kind of things can i know that god oh i know god works in everything so god must be working through my circumstances well, i think what god would want us to do is go back all the way over to here let's talk about moral choices first is there anything that would be immoral about taking this job is there anything that would keep me from fulfilling my other responsibilities you know i have a responsibility as a parent as a as a spouse as as a church member you know if i take this job is this going to keep me away from that you know to, to too great of a, an extent and so you know that's why i think all these incorrect views that i'm i'm mentioning uh they they start over here on the spectrum i want to make the choice and now i need to find something and so we kind of almost like mold our own decision-making device out of some and, and sometimes we even make them spiritual like the waiting for a sign which is just um you know if the mailman comes before one o'clock i'm going to take this job if the mailman comes after one o'clock uh, could god work that way absolutely he has that power but does he probably not okay we don't have any clear indication that he does in this age and so we would be foolish to to make our choice based on that uh the fleece is obviously what gideon used um and and remember that was used because of lack of faith not because of faith um and so we have to that's very similar to the sign there that i just mentioned um and then picking a text is another spiritual um spiritualized form of decision making picking a text is like you know like i used the example of of me deciding whether I should be in choir at the previous church that I was at. You know, should I be in choir? And I just happened to be reading about a choir in Israel uh, that morning. And so that must be God telling me. And, and to my shame, I took that as God's leading. Okay, but, but was that what, what Moses was talking about when he wrote about the choir? Was he trying to direct people to, to get into to choirs? I mean, is there any command for people to, you know, to do that? No, that's not, that's not what it was about. I took that out of context and used it for my purposes and made it feel for myself like it was a direction from God. Now, could God have been directing me into a choir? I think it was the wise choice, ultimately. Um, but how I got there is probably not the best. Uh, the other example that we used was um, was uh, my former pastor, uh, the very first pastor that I had, uh, jokingly used how he decided what kind of car to get and he kind of just flipped open to his bible to mark eight and that was the car he ended up buying and um you know we 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 um we have to be careful about using texts of scripture that don't mean or are not intended to direct us in that way now there are some that, are, that do direct us in a certain way but we have to be careful um taking those out of context that don't do that um so the plan B view is, um, is I already mentioned, that is that, that God has one special perfect will. And here's what we want to do. You know, we want to kind of get behind the curtain, find out what exactly, I mean, wouldn't it be great if, if you know, somehow God just laid out for us everything that's going to happen in our lives, kind of like back to the future type idea, you know. God just lays it all out, and we know it's going to happen. And so, you know, we, what happens 
what do you think your how much different do you think your life would be if you know everything that every single thing or at least the main things that would happen in your life how, how much different would your current life be if you knew that what do you think what's that yeah right when there when there are no unknowns why would we depend on god i mean god i need you to give me the the clue of what's going to happen but after that then I'm fine. I already know. And and we, we come less become less dependent on God. So what we want to do is we kind of get get behind the curtain and find out God's perfect will for us is going to give us our best life now. And what we need to do is go back over here to what we know is true, and that is that God is giving to us our best life now by sanctifying us for our best life later. He's giving us what is best for us and for His glory now through sanctifying us no matter the hills and the valleys that we go through. And, and so we don't have to worry about this one perfect will that includes all of our exactly right decisions on non-moral issues. Instead, what we need to be concerned about is, am I pursuing holiness like God is working to do in me? And, and can I trust Him that whether I choose Kroger or Meyer, that He's going to accomplish good through that? Not that those choices aren't important. Again, we're talking about big decisions like, like with marriage and, and with college and jobs and all that. Not that those are unimportant, but can we trust God that, that He will accomplish good no matter what? Um, did we read Deuteronomy 18 last time? I think we might have looked at it. Let's go there. Okay, so let's... I think that may be where... We ran out of time. Deuteronomy 18. Alright, verse 14. For those nations nations which you shall dispossess, listen to those who practice witchcraft and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me among you from your countrymen, and you shall listen to, to him. So the nations, they listen to witchcraft, diviners, people who are, you know, like Bill was talking about last week, the horoscope says what we want to know. Just tell me what my life is going to be like, what's going to happen to me next. That's what they were doing. And, and God says, but for you, I'm not going to reveal those things to you. What you need to do is listen to my prophet. Verse 18, I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So these pagans are trying to get insight into the future by manipulating their gods. And what what... Moses is saying is this is the kind of behavior that God has saved you out of. This is what He's saved you out of. You're no longer like that. Now you can depend upon a God who knows the future, who, who knows it because He's planned it. And so we're not looking to God as our kind of um, magic eight ball, but instead we're, use, we're, we're looking to Him as our, our source of truth and wisdom and the one upon whom we can depend. That is, that if God has told us everything that He wants us to know, then let's focus on that. Let's focus on what He has told us, and, and, um, and that's where our, our guidance will come. 
So God has spoken to us. God has spoken to us by His Son. The problem with our uh, jumping forward all the way to the end, making the choice um, without focusing on what God has already told us, is that um, we can use the Bible as kind of a magical source book. So, um, you know, this is where concordances can go wrong. You know, as if, you know, the Bible is all about just, it's almost like a Google thing. Like when I have a problem, I'll, I'll go to the back and find out what the topic, what the topics are about those things. And then I'll just kind of use that as my little dosage to feel better, my little two pills and call me in the morning and and forget about the rest of the context or what God's doing in the bigger picture. Um, that's why I think the Scriptures ought to be read more um, just consecutively rather than topically or thematically. Now, there are some values of looking at themes throughout the Scriptures, but but uh, the, there's a danger there as well if we start to think that that the Scripture is kind of just like a decoder ring for us, you know, for our life. Um, God's doing something much bigger than that. And we need to be, instead of taking the Bible and putting it under our purposes, like here's what I want it to do, we we put ourselves under God's purposes and use it for what He wants us to do. So if He's re- producing holiness in us, then that's, where we ultimately go. So we see his direction through uh, his son, the, prop, the, the, the Savior, Jesus. And um, we don't have time to, to go through this, but I think I've got some text there for you. Acts 3 actually quotes from Isaiah uh, 42, talking about Jesus, the servant, that he was sent to us, um, that, that the Scriptures have been fulfilled in Christ, that all the Scriptures speak about Christ, and so, really, the Old Testament was designed to point us to Christ. The New Testament, obviously, is, is the same. Um, he is the last and greatest prophet, and, and all the other prophets point to him. Let's turn to Hebrews 1, because here's an important one on, on our decision-making and... So when I talked about using the concordance wrongly, don't don't think I'm condemning concordances. I, I use them myself. But And even what we're doing here is somewhat topically or thematically based. So um, I'm not against topical um, research in the Scriptures. But again, we need to make sure that our focus is right, that we're, we're doing it for trying to understand it in light of the bigger picture. Hebrews 1, would someone read verses 1 through 3? So before Christ came, right, he spoke to the fathers in the prophets in many portions in many ways. So he spoke through burning bushes, he spoke through fleeces, he spoke through audible voices, he spoke through dreams, handwriting on the wall, etc. Right? But now in these last days, how has God spoken to us according to Hebrews 1? 
in His Son. So now there's a shift in how God speaks to His people. Now He speaks to us through His Son. Um, and, and so those old methods, we might think those, man, that would be great. But we, well, we need to recognize the first that those are rare. They, they weren't happening to every day to every ordinary person. So we wouldn't be getting them. And secondly, those are actually inferior to how God has spoken to us now. Isn't that what the text says? That He is the verse three. He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His nature. So we have a a clearer revelation than even the Old Testament saints had. And and so God, if we want to know what God is saying to us, how God is leading us, we don't need to put out a fleece. Instead, we look to His Son. And what has His Son said to us? Well, He said to us the gospel. That's what verse 3 is pointing us to. He upholds all things by the word of His power. He is the exact representation of God's nature. That, that He has purged our sin, sins and, and has sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's, that's the gospel. Christ has conquered sin and death and He now reigns as King over all. And so the gospel is what God is trying to tell us. That's His primary message to us. We might think, well, that's fine for me to get saved, but I don't need that anymore. But the gospel is what we need every day, whether we're Christian or not. Um, God's taking great pains for us to be able to get the gospel. We don't need any more signs. We have direct access to God through Christ. So God speaks to us today by His Son. You say, well, how does that work? I mean, how, how can I hear from the Son? Well, turn to Acts chapter 1 because we see next that God speaks to us today by His Son through His Spirit in the Scriptures. So first we need to take this first part of it. God speaks to us by His Son through His Spirit. And here... Luke is writing and he says, The first account I composed, which was his gospel, the gospel of Luke, the Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. So notice what he says there in verse 1, that the first account that he had written, Luke's gospel, is what Jesus began to do and teach. And so the, the implication is that what Jesus is doing in Acts, even after he's gone, is that he still do is doing and teaching. Okay, so what he began to do and teach was the Gospel of Luke, his birth and his his life and his death and his resurrection. That's what how Jesus began to teach us. But here he continues to teach us through the Acts of the Apostles, or we could say really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. That is that Christ still is speaking. Well, let, let's take it back to Acts first because I believe Christ still is speaking. But, but Christ still was speaking in the book of Acts or through the events that happened in the book of Acts through His Spirit. We have this great high priest, this great prophet, this great speaker on behalf of God. And, and He speaks through the Holy Spirit. And, and the way that He speaks is through the Scriptures. Not through... Still small voices. Again, as far as I can tell in Acts, it doesn't seem like anybody's getting impulses that way, but rather through the Scriptures. They were compelled by the Scriptures that the Holy Spirit actually still speaks. Let's 
take a look at several of these texts and see if we can see this. I'm trying to see if you have them on there. Okay, John 16. John 16, 12. I have many more things Jesus says to his disciples to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, and he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. So don't be afraid when I leave that I'm going to stop talking to you. I'm going to continue to talk to you through the Holy Spirit, particularly um, through the inspiration of the Scriptures. That, that Jesus now speaks to us through the Scriptures which have been written down. So that we can say when we see the scriptures uh, that this is Christ's word to us, to us, right? The, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the exact representation of, of who God is, God the Father. So there's inspiration and then there's also illumination. Um, I think I, yeah, I didn't put that on the, on the back, but on the back of your handout there, that's illumination. That is that the Holy Spirit um, enlightens our minds. Illumination is the idea that we are naturally hostile to the Scriptures, even with our sinful nature as Christians. We still are hostile towards the Scriptures. And so the Holy Spirit helps remove that hostility and He shows us that what is being said in the Scriptures are true. So He illumines, He turns the light on for us, right? And that's what we see in... in uh, well, let's go to Acts first, and then we'll hit Hebrews after we do that. We want to see that, that the, the Word of God is still powerful and active. The Holy Spirit is still using the Word today. I think this is Stephen's sermon here. And he says in verse 38, This is the one who is in the congregation in the wilderness together with the angel who was speaking to him on Mount Sinai and who is with our fathers, and he received living oracles to pass on to you. So what Moses received was not an antiquated document. It doesn't become antiquated and, and unuseful, but rather it is living oracles from the very hands of God or from the very mouth of God. So what we have in the Scriptures are not dead, irrelevant words, um, documents that, that have just been collected and hope, hope you can use them. Hope they're beneficial to you. But rather, we have the living oracles from God. And uh, further proof of that is found in Hebrews 3. So turn there. Hebrews 3. It's uh, interesting if you follow, uh, especially the prophets, when they speak, sometimes it's hard to tell when they're speaking and when God's speaking. And... Um, it's because God's Word is actually speaking through them and they write all these things down so that we are actually hearing the voice of the prophet, but actually we're hearing the voice of God. It's, he's the ultimate source of all these things. But notice this verse in verse 7, the author of Hebrews says, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit said, or just as the Holy Spirit once wrote down, no, He, he still speaks. And then He quotes from... Uh, 
Let's see, where is this? Margin your Bible there. Psalm 95. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. So he quotes from the Psalms and says, Here is what the Holy Spirit not said or once said a long time ago or what David said or whoever the author of Psalm 95 was. But he says what the Holy Spirit says, is saying to you. He's alive. He's still speaking to you through the Old Testament. And that's what the Scriptures do. They, they, they when accompanied by the Holy Spirit, they illumine our minds to, to see what is being said is true. Then turn over one chapter to chapter 4, verse 12. And a familiar verse here, for the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit and both of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. This is the Scriptures that you have in your hands. It is living and active. So, what else in the universe has such high authority as the Scriptures? Okay, not our impulses, not our inner impressions. The Scriptures are the ones that... that the Scripture is what ultimately directs us. Now, this might, might not be as exciting as a fleece or a, you know, a, a urim and a thummim, but, but the Holy Spirit is a person. He is personal. He's alive. He, he lives within you as a believer. And so, therefore, He leads through His Word. It's much more ordinary, much, more ordinary, much we could say, a little bit more boring than, than what we might like to have and in, in how God will lead us. It would be much more exciting if He led us through you know, thunderclouds or, or signs in the sky, but, but He doesn't. He, he leads us through His Word. And if we are confident that God has given us, like Second Peter 1 says, everything that we need for life and godliness, uh, and that everything that we need for life and godliness is in the Word, then what more do we need? The, the point is that the Word is complete, sufficient, and thorough, thoroughly powerful for the completion of faith and the life of every child. It, it leads us to faith, the most important decision we make, and then it also helps us with all the other lesser important decisions that we make. And so we need to listen to the Spirit. We need to listen to the Son by listening to the Spirit by listening to His Word. And we have to guard ourselves against listening to other voices. And so what this means is that we have to work towards something that's a little bit more complex than just coming right up to the end decision and saying, which one should I do? Which one is the best choice for me? And go back to, God, what are you doing in my life? What do you, where, where am I failing you? You know, what kinds of bad choices that are, I, I am making that need to be corrected? What does the Scriptures have to say about just making choices? What kind of wise, foolish uh, distinction is there in this choice that I'm going to make? And now, after I've thought through all that, then I come to this decision. And Obviously, with prayer and dependence upon God, we, we make a choice. And I can tell you from personal experience that, that this is a liberating way to look at the Scriptures, to, to look at decision-making. Because, um, again, I was always looking for the, 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 the little clues, you know, 
what is God doing? I, I was confident that God was sovereign over all things, and He is. And I, and I still am confident about that. But I wanted God to lead me in a certain way. And, and when, I, um, when I rethought this, and, and you, know, you might be still thinking through this, so please give, give it some time because there's still some more we've got to add to this. What we're doing now is we're still laying the foundation way back here we're stepping way out from the big picture and seeing what is God doing in my life, how does He lead normally, and how ought to I, I to be seeking His leading. So, we're, so give it some time. There's a lot more uh, we need to to talk about, and we'll pick up here next week. Um, and and we'll actually get into more practical questions, and we'll even use a class to 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 even use an example just to, to walk through this and see if we can make sense of, of decision-making um, of, of a decision that's not insignificant. All right. So, do you have any questions or comments? Yes, right on. Christian 